Amen. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, 15 through 17. And while you're turning to Romans 5, 15 to 17, let me take a moment and say how thankful I am for every hardworking member of our church who serves at AFC. We have the best of the best here. And it's only by the grace of God. Everyone that we, we hire, everyone that we use, every volunteer that serves, you're amazing. Musicians and singers and workers and cleaners, you're amazing. And I just want to say thank you to everyone. It is, it is a lot of work that it takes to accomplish the kingdom of God and the work that we do. So thank you for being excellent at what you do and for not being people that have to be forced to do things, but you love it. I just feel a gratefulness for you today. And I want, to know, I want you to know how much we thank you for everything that you do. It means a lot to the Lord. I know it does. It means a lot to me. And it's why AFC is such a great place. Welcome, everybody, to Austin First Church. This is the home of the originals here. We're the original church. We're not like any other church out there. We're trying to be like the one in the Bible. And so I welcome you today to the originals here at AFC. Austin First Church, all the way back to the book of Acts. That's the church you've walked into today. A church that shouts, a church that looks a little silly, a church where people talk in tongues. All that stuff that happened in the Bible still happens today. We're a Bible-believing church. You ought to be thankful we're a Bible-believing church because in the Bible there are miracles, signs, and wonders too. And if you believe those things have stopped, then there's no hope for your cancer right now. There's no hope for the pain in your body right now. But we are the original church that saw the dead raised, the blinded eyes open. We are the original church. And God can give you the original plan he has for you in this service. You've stepped into the original church. And we're trying every day to be more and more like that church. Romans 5 and 15. We're glad you're all here. Here we go. The Apostle Paul is teaching the church at Rome, the church at Rome, people who are already saved, already have the Holy Ghost, already baptized in Jesus' name, members of the church. And he says here in verse 15, but the free gift, the free gift, is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense, that would be Adam way back, many people have died. That's a spiritual death. Much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, capital M, one man, Jesus, his death, his life he gave for us. Because of his sacrifice, he freely laid down his life for us. It has abounded to many, to many. Just like Adam was the first to sin, and we all come from sin, because of the second Adam, Jesus, because of his sacrifice, because of the gift of grace and salvation he gave to us, we all abound. We all have that gift accessible to us. Is anybody thankful for Jesus? He made up for what Adam failed in. So we come from a fallen nature, but because we're baptized in Jesus' name, repented, and we've got the Holy Ghost, now we've got another nature. We've got the Holy Ghost power in us. All because of the free gift. Everybody say the free gift. The free gift of grace. Thank God for grace. Romans 16. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation all the way back to Adam. But the free gift, there it is again, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. And all those people who, who killed Jesus at the cross, all the many offenses, all the many sins that came and added up and, and, and killed Jesus Christ, that was for our justification. We are now justified. We now have access to God. We now don't have to live in condemnation. We don't have to go to hell. We have the free gift. Anybody thankful for the free gift? Cost you nothing. The gift is free. You can get it if you want it. You don't have to pay for the gift. The gift is yours. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. This context is all about how we messed up, we come from Adam, the one who messed it all up for us, but then look what Jesus did. Yeah. Jesus became the fix-all for what Adam did wrong. Yeah. That's what the context is all about. It's all about how Jesus Christ 
paved the way, opened the door, gave us salvation for free. We can go get salvation. But notice the language. It's very important in verse 17. Much more those who receive. Those who receive. Those who receive. The gift is free. Will you receive it? The gift is free. The reception is not. The gift is free. The reception will cost you. Salvation's free. I'm going to tell you what's going to cost you. What you've got to give up to get it. Yep. The Lord impressed me on the Salvation Series to get back into it and preach this today to all of us in the name of Jesus. The cost of free salvation. Because there's a cost to free salvation. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated today and thank you for coming. I'm glad you're here. I hope I can be a blessing. I hope I can help you today. Anybody have a rich uncle? Okay. Please go win him to God. I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding, but in that context, I'm kidding. If your rich uncle donated to you his $300 million yacht in China, would you be excited? It's yours. He signed the paper over to you. $300 million yacht parked in the Bay of China. Yeah, China. I'm trying to make it hard on you. You can go get it if you want it. It's already yours. Yep. You just will have to devote the next 20 years affording, finding, figuring out a way to get it, to bring it back, to hire a crew to drive it, to get it from China, which has got to be difficult. It's one thing to have access to something free. It's another to count the cost of what it will take to go get the free thing. You know, it, let's, let's talk about something we can all relate to because that one's pretty far out there. Who wants to get ice cream? I'm buying. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Yeah. Except for the fact that you realize you're in your pajamas. You're kicked back reading a book on the couch and you realize what it's going to cost you to go get free ice cream. You think about how you've got to put the book down and you've got to a good part. You've got to actually get dressed and be presentable if you do things like that. You've got to find your keys. If you've got kids, you've got to get all of them dressed. You've got to get all of them loaded up. Make sure they use the bathroom because it happens right when you get in the car. And then you've got to drive through awesome traffic, potentially see someone stark naked, on the side of the road, possibly even using the restroom. You've got to park somewhere in Austin, which is difficult, maybe even pay for parking, just to walk in, meet your friend, and have them buy you a $5 ice cream. And when you begin to think about it, you think, I don't know if I really want the ice cream that bad. It's not that the ice cream is not free, it's all that you have to do to receive the ice cream. Because the gift is free, the gift is salvation, but the reception is not. And this is where Christianity has really messed up. We have preached the reception is just as free as the salvation. We have preached that it will cost you nothing to get it. Churches are filled all over America, all over the world with people who have been taught that you don't have to lift a finger, you don't have to give a thing, that God brings it to you, that you can live in your sins and still be saved, that you can stay the same 
and God looked the other way. That's not true. It's not biblical. And if we're going to be saved, we have to understand it's going to cost us. It's going to take hard work. We're going to talk about the hard work today of being saved. I hope you like hard work because it's going to be some work. The destination is free, but the journey will cost us. We can be saved, but that does not mean we're willing to pay the price to travel to get there to be saved. Y'all, nothing's free. Nothing's free. I know, I forgot I'm in America for a second. Woo, I forgot. My, my, my. Let me teach you a little bit about America. Let me teach you, all right? Let me help you out today. I'm not going to try to be political, but I do need to teach some things today. Nothing's free. It always costs somebody. This is a good time for it with the free college thing going around? Or is it a bad time for it? Depends on if you went to college. Some of y'all are like, praise God. Some of you are like, I'm out. I'm done. Nothing's free. The police that come to your house to save your life, not free. It's called taxes. You paid for it already. The fire department put the fire out. Thank you so much. You paid them with your taxes. Yeah. The emergency response team that came and got the steak out of your throat. They're not just your best friend. Okay? You paid them. It's called taxes. Nothing's free. The military that went and fought for your freedom. You paid them with your taxes. If you pay taxes. Ooh, y'all feel that? Oof. Wow. Healthcare. I want free healthcare. How? What? Are people volunteering? Oh, free healthcare. Doctors and nurses will volunteer. No, they're getting paid. By who? By us. It's called taxing more. No such thing as free health care. There's just higher taxes spreading out the wealth. Nothing is free. I, I want to paint the picture because we're fighting against the spirit of the last days where we even think our salvation's free. It's, it's a spiritual issue, y'all. That's what's happening. It's a spiritual problem. Nothing is free. College tuition comes from taxes. Greater taxes gives more power to the government to spend your money. So we become slaves to this mentality. Because we say, it's free, don't worry about it. Let's take the easy road. But when you take the easy road, you actually get more in bondage. You get more upside down. You get in more debt. When you believe the easy, free message, it hurts you later. Y'all hearing me today? The church that believes I don't have to do anything, everything's for free, is going to wake up one day in judgment and realize everything costs. You'll either pay for it now or you'll pay for it later. I'm paying for it today. You hear me? I'm paying for it right now. I refuse to get in debt. I refuse to get in over my head. I refuse to live for free, freeloading on God. I refuse to live this life not loving and sacrificing for God just to wake up one day in judgment and realize I didn't have the truth. I was just lazy, selfish. I believed a lie. It's not true. I'm using our government, and I'm using taxes, and I'm using free because it's the talking points of our day. It's a great way to teach you about the kingdom of God because our society has drifted from obedience to Jesus. It is slowly slipping back into legalism, much like the Jews under the Mosaic Law, minus, of course, the devotion to God. The one world government that we believe by the study of Revelation that is supposed to happen in this world is really just a one-world legal system. A one-world government that has been prophesied is really just a one-world police system, a one-world military system, a one-world judge, a one-world king. It's just a one-world law. 
Do you see that? Y'all, we are slowly moving more into legalism in our world. We're slowly moving into more laws in our world. Watch it. They're going to make more laws and more laws and more laws. Do you know why there's going to be more laws? Because there is less heart. And where there is less heart, there must be more law. We are slowly drifting back into Judaism. We're slowly drifting back into if you don't do it, we'll stone you. We're slowly drifting back into if you don't live what we say is right, there'll be a punishment for it. Because where you lose God, grace, mercy, and love, you have to have fear tactics, laws, prisons, and death. And the reason why our world will end up in a one world government is because as we turn our back against God, people will be so violent and so full of hate and so full of darkness, the only thing to stop them will be men with big guns and bulletproof vests walking around saying, you better act right. It's the decay of a society. It's the decay of a society happening right before our eyes. Watch them. They will make more laws. While many Republican politicians don't necessarily live according to the Bible, they do at least act like they support parts of it. Probably to get our votes. But... Many Democratic politicians have actually taken a stance against the teachings of the Bible. This is public information that you can look up on your own. I'm simply stating the facts, not my opinion about the facts. I'm telling you right now, if you were to turn on the news and you were to go look at the reports, even President Biden's recent speech, you would hear a president of America put people in a category that believe that abortion is wrong into an extremist group where one day they'll have to lock us up. Unfortunately, it's happening right before our eyes and there will be more laws built and created. And we will lose more of our freedoms. And this is why we must pray for our leaders whether Republican or Democratic it doesn't matter they all deserve the same amount of prayer they all deserve the same amount of, of support studies have proven that many have testified that the heavily Democratic voting areas have higher crime and therefore they have more laws New York has a law for everything, and yet it has some of the worst crime in all the world. I'm trying to paint a picture of what happens in the end time whenever you begin to go down the road of godlessness, of not working for things, of not trying to be a real Christian and serve your brother. What happens is you go back into the dark ages where you have to have more laws, more police, more taxes, more forcing. The laws must increase where the love of God decreases. It's the only way a civilization can maintain itself. If we let this thing all go godless and there is no law, we'll kill each other. We will. I don't want to live in a world like that. You don't want to live in a world like that. But that is what prophecy says we are heading into. Because people are more selfish, we have to legalize the sharing of wealth instead of letting it be from a choice of the heart in a perfect society in the church we would divide among ourselves those that have need righteously but because we don't have enough heart it has to be taken from us through our taxes and given to the poor but that's not the plan of God the plan of God is for us to have heart not law God help us in the church have the heart let the world do the laws, but let the church have the heart. Let those outside the door make the laws. Let the people inside the church have the heart. Uh, nobody should ever have to scare us into doing right. Uh, no one should ever have to threaten us into doing right. Uh, God, let it be in our hearts that we want to serve and work for each other and not be forced to do it. The model of the church proves 
that we can share and we can love each other without fear tactics or someone trying to scare us all the time or throw rocks at us all the time or lock us up all the time. The church proves that we have the answer for the world. There's going to be a night and day difference, y'all, between the end days, legalism, and the church. And the reason why there's going to be a great revival in the last days is because everyone's going to be locked up under the law system and they're going to meet a Christian who's got heart. And they're going to long for heart. They're going to desire the warmth of love and the warmth of giving and the warmth of Jesus Christ. And as the world decays and descends into that legalism, there's going to be a fresh revival of a world that says, I want to get in the church. It's the most liberating free place in all of the world. It's a free place. Somebody say free. God, help us be the church in the last days. The church model proves that we can give financially and even beyond out of our hearts, not because we're made to. The church proves that. Nobody can raise money like church folks. You know why? Because our hearts are in it. The rest of the world, you've got to take it from them or put them in jail. But not us. We have proven that if you love something enough, You'll freely give. So this concept of free and getting hands out and the wealth sharing slash socialism is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. All these things we see in the media and things we see and read in, in Democrats, Republicans, and problems of the world, it all comes from spiritual issues. If you believe your Bible, then you believe there are spirits behind things. That no man could do these things. It's beyond our world. And you know what's sad? It actually starts to creep into churches. What's happening in the world, the handout mentality, the socialism mentality, it even gets into Christian folks. It gets into people who are supposed to love and know the Word of God. We have got to turn off the news, turn off all the noise, and get back into the Word of God to find out our identity and who we are and even how we should vote. Lord, help us get in the Word of God and turn off the news media because that spirit can get in us church-going people. Listen, many Christians want heaven without the investment. They want it easy. Like they want their marriage easy. And they want their money easy. And they want their success easy. But that's not how we're going to make it to heaven. That's not how we're going to be saved. That's not how our marriage is going to work and our kids are going to be raised. There's nothing easy about it. There's nothing easy about it. I want to liberate you today from false expectations with God and your walk with God. There is nothing easy about what we're doing. This is hard work. We will pay the price now and we will have heaven to prove and show for it. We will suffer. We will work. We will pay it all out today and we will have heaven tomorrow. I've never seen a successful, lazy Christian. Never, ever seen it. If you're not willing to work, you cannot be a Christian. Plain and simple. If you're not willing to work, you cannot be a Christian. It is impossible. It's impossible. Christianity is hard work. Make sure you tell your friends when you invite them to church. Yeah, it's hard work. The disciples that Jesus picked, guess what they were doing? They were already working. I have, I have zero record of Jesus picking anybody who was lazy, who was doing nothing. The Bible says specifically they were already doing things, trying to make the best of their lives. They knew how to work because you can't have an anointing if you're lazy. You can't follow God. You can't be a Christian. If you can't work, you surely can't die for him. The people that Jesus picked to be the leaders of the church were people who were hardworking people, hardworking men. They knew how to invest their time and energy and their heart and their passion. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. You're still going to work just as hard. You're still going to work just as hard. I'm using my head mic today because my arms are so sore. Because this last week we did a lot of fishing and I had to do this a whole lot. Oh, man. 
and some having to take a break today because fishing, even with modern tools, is hard work. Some of y'all never caught a 42-inch redfish, bull redfish, but it's hard work. Don't feel sorry for me, y'all. This is not a sacrifice. I'm not trying to get any pity, y'all. This was, this was fun. But, I mean, we've come a long way in fishing. It's hard work. That's why Jesus didn't say, come with me. He said, I'm going to make you fishers, but you're going to switch what you're catching. You're going to work just as hard. You're going to put just as much energy into it, if not more. You're going to take the same work ethic that you had in your last life and you're going to put that same energy and that same passion and getting up early and fighting and sweating and getting bloody. Put that same spirit into the kingdom. And we will turn the world upside down. Thank you, Jesus. Many in our church were raised financially challenged. You don't have to say amen. Many at AFC were raised financially challenged. But how much money you had growing up is not near as important as how hard your family taught you to work. I don't look down on you if you were raised poor. I don't think that matters one bit. I think what matters is, did you learn to work? if you learn how to work you can do anything in this world and for this kingdom we're serving if you at least learn how to work God can bless you with all the finances you could ever need it's not about rich or poor per se it's about working and lazy because rich is kind of more about how you work more than if you work. Some people don't have the mentality to make money. They have the mentality to, to work. And they don't really care about making money. But some people, they just have the gift. They invest the right way. They move things and shift things and they can make money. So it's not really about rich or poor. It's about do you work? That's what matters. Are you an investor? Do you spend your time working for something? Let's take a few minutes and talk about the common ways that the rich and the poor will react to the gospel message to give context today. In my experience, in my belief, the poor are more likely to get hyped up over the part where Jesus says, I paid everything for you. If you want to reach people who don't have much, tell them that Jesus paid for it and it's free. It's one of the greatest ways to get people hyped up that don't have anything. You know, we're tempted to tell people who don't have a whole lot in this world, Jesus will pay those bills if you go to church. And boy, here they come. <laughs> Jesus will get you some food. Jesus will take care of all that fun stuff. He'll get you a vacation and a new car. And we are tempted to use that portion of God to try to reach those fish. We are tempted in the church to use the part on the poor people around us saying, if you just get in church, Jesus would give you all kinds of free stuff. Except there's only one problem with that doctrine. Jesus and the disciples had very little materialism. And most of them died very painful deaths. We try to distort the gospel to fit people's financial situations. We try to twist the scripture to get a bigger crowd. We try to use things like this free gift doctrine out of context to reach out to people who are vulnerable and in a tough place to say, oh, if I can get it for free, then I'll go to church. Just to let people down when they get in church and realize they have to get up in the morning and actually pray and fast and serve and give. And all of a sudden, we let them down because we taught a doctrine that you didn't have to pay anything. And we hurt people instead of being honest and upfront with people. We, we try to tell those financially broken people the part where they could have it easier if they would just get in church. But the problem really is with, is with the poor and lazy, not just with people who don't have much. It's with the laziness. See, lazy people will not last in church once they find out how much daily devotion it requires. 
We've never kept anyone lazy in the kingdom. We have helped pray them through. We've got them down to the altar and they received the Holy Ghost and been baptized. But we lost them as soon as they realized they had to put work into this thing. We lost them. Hey, ain't nobody that I have ever met has spent more time with homeless than my wife and I. Because in Dallas, we picked up 45 every Sunday and our church fed them breakfast and lunch. 45 for five years. Some of y'all like one or two in church. We used to have a ministry, 30. We had 45. We fed them two meals. We sat by them. We, we loved on them. We prayed with them. We know what it's like to invest our time into people who are not just poor, but they don't want to work. See, there's a big difference, y'all. We think that homeless people want to come to church because they ought to want more. And we all think that, but the problem is not they're homeless or they're poor. The problem is they don't want to work. People that don't want to work will not make it in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is all about working for the king. It's all about working. It's all about get, getting our hands out there and getting busy and pushing ourselves because we love the kingdom. The Christians are supposed to be givers, not takers. And if you have a taking poor mentality of taking all the time, of thievery, of stealing from your neighbor because you don't want to go work, if that's the spirit of you, you cannot be in the kingdom. Because the kingdom is all about giving up for others, not stepping on others to get ahead. How does the gospel work on people who have more wealth? The rich are more likely to get hyped over the part about heaven. If you want to really get the rich people excited about living for God, you can't offer them materialism because they already have it. How do you tell someone who's perfectly fit straight teeth, supermodel wife, everything's perfect, big house, kids are amazing, they have the best schools. How do you sell Jesus to them when they don't have a sickness? They don't need your money. Everything's good. The only thing you can put the gospel out there for someone with money and riches is you've got to preach heaven. Because the only thing that appeals to someone who has the world is the next world. Heaven. So... I feel like they get hyped over the heaven part. They have the world, but they want eternal life. Remember the rich ruler in the Bible? The rich ruler did not come to Jesus for things. He came asking about eternity. He was rich. Rich people don't want to come to church. They already got friends. They've got everything. They only want to go to church if they find out they need to be saved and they want to go to heaven one day. They get hyped over that part. So we preach heaven. We talk about heaven to them. Talk about how God will give you heaven. God will give you all those great things one day in heaven. And that's how the gospel oftentimes get rich people all hyped up. Look, Nicodemus was a prestigious religious teacher. And surely he was compensated nicely for his hard work. But he asked for eternal life from Jesus. Because he already had things in the world. How are we going to reach people with the gospel that already have everything? How are we going to do it? How do they see it? You know what we do, though? We try to distort the gospel to fit people's financial situations. We omit the part where the rich people have to give up everything in this world for the kingdom of God, take up their cross, and let Jesus be their boss. And they hate that part. People with money and materialism, they hate that part. Rich people that have all these billions and millions of dollars, they come in church and go, oh, wait, I have to have a pastor? Where'd you go to college? How much money do you have? You're just an old country boy. Oh, wait, I have to give to the kingdom? Oh, my materialism is no longer mine? It's God's to use? Oh, wait, I have to take up a cross? All of a sudden, the rich get frustrated with the gospel. And we have learned how to omit parts of the Bible to try to reach people. And it's not the right way to win the world because you haven't won them. Lord, help us to preach the truth today. Help us to make sure we don't spin the doctrine to fit the financial situations of the people. Because we're here to reach every social status, every financial status. Rich and poor all need Jesus. We've got a gospel that's for every single one of them. We've got a gospel that can help the poor start to get a work ethic and get out there and make some money. We've got a gospel that can take the stuck-up rich people and get them centered and grounded to where they can actually come back down to earth. We've got a gospel for every one of them. 
But in every one of them, it takes hard work. Whether rich or poor, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us. Ephesians 2 and 8, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. He, he works on us. He is the workman. We are the workmanship. We boast of him because of what he's done in us. We are not saved because we work. We're saved because he worked on us. We're not saved because of our works. We cannot help ourselves. We are only going to be saved because he's given us grace and he's worked on us. He's given us grace and he's worked on us. I cannot boast on me because I have not done this. He has saved me. He's given me grace. And we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works. I began to do good works because of his good work. Y'all with me? He does the works, and because he does the work in me, I now have the ability to do work for others. But I learned from my father how to work for my brother. I learned from him. It's all back to the glory of God. Everything I am is because of him, because of his grace, because of the free gift of grace. I have access for him to work on me and me to bless others. He is the worker. I am the receiver of his work thank you Jesus y'all we're saved because of his grace the Bible says we're saved because of his grace toward us his love for us the unmerited favor of God that you cannot earn we are saved because of nothing we have done for ourselves we're saved all because the Lord has worked on our behalf salvation is first because of the grace of God you can't work enough to be saved. Stop trying. Look at your neighbor and say, stop trying. Say, you're a hard worker. Somebody show your little hands off. You got them wrinkles. Got all them scars. Look at some of you, some of you men, big old plump, fat fingers. and been out there so scaled up. You're a hard worker, but listen, you can't work with those hands to get right enough for God. You can't work enough. You have to let him work on you. You can't work out your own. You can't work all this out. You have to let him work it out. Let him have access to you. You've got to let God be the workman and you be the receiver of the work. You're only saved because you let God's grace into your life. We didn't deserve his grace. But the second thing the Bible says it's not just that we're saved by grace, but we're saved through faith. By grace, through faith. That's what the Bible says. Grace is the evidence that God believes we can be saved. Because why would God invest in something that wouldn't work? God is a good investor. And the reason why Jesus invested in you and I at the cross is because he saw value in us. He saw something in us that could change. He saw something in us that can be better than what we were. He said, if I could ever get a hold of that piece of clay, I could make something of it. I am the workman. I am the grace giver. I am the changer of all things. I am the speaker of life. I am the one that can change you if you'll just let me work. Is anybody thankful for the grace of God? The grace of God is the evidence that you are loved by God. Thank you, Jesus, for grace. It's the evidence he believes in me. And every time God's grace is extended down into you, it's, it's God's faith in you. That he sees something more happening in your life than currently where you are. He did not die in vain. He died for us because he sees us being saved. His death was the manifestation of his love for us. He didn't just believe we would be saved and do nothing. He was born of a virgin, lived and loved and died and rose again on the third day. Jesus didn't believe we'd be saved. He, he believed and worked 
Somebody think about it. To all those who believe in the free gift doctrine where you don't have to lift a finger, God doesn't believe in it. The Bible says he stepped down out of his throne. He stepped off his comfy chair. He stepped off his little, little throne room where all the angels are at and said, let's put the gloves on and let's get to work. I feel like working for what I love. I feel like serving what I love. I feel like getting down there among the people, getting my hands dirty. He robed himself in dirt. Our God robed himself in dirt. Hallelujah. Our God's not lazy. Our God loves us enough to work. If you're not working for it, you don't love it. No such thing as sitting back and loving God. No such thing as not being connected and loving God. What you love, you work for. You get involved in. You get in the midst of. You connect to. Because he didn't just believe we'd be saved. Even God doesn't just believe. God does what he believes. He works a plan. He works faith. Yeah. When we say that we're not saved by works, we're saying that you cannot work enough to earn your salvation. You can't dry enough church towels, kill enough church roaches, or vacuum enough, Lord help us, goldfish crumbs off the carpet in the sanctuary to earn your salvation. You can't give enough money. Yeah, I said that one too. You can't do enough for the kingdom to earn and be clean because of your own goodness. There is nothing good. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. There is nothing we can do to earn His love. There's nothing we can do to make a God get off a throne and come down here. Is anybody so glad that we don't have to earn His grace? That's why no matter how far you are from God right now, how down you are from God right now, there's not a place that you can go that God's grace cannot get to. Not a place that you can go that God will not love you anymore. You can't sin enough to get away from earning God's grace. It has nothing to do with your actions. It has all to do with His love. And listen to me, you're worth the work from our God. He worked for us. Thank you, Jesus. At the cross, Jesus opened up the door to our salvation. But did you know, I'm about to come to a close today, that walking through it will cost you? Because he died for us, we die for him. Because he worked for us, we work for him. Because he lived and suffered, we live and suffer. Because he went without sometimes and had pain in his body, we go without sometimes and we have pain in our body. He was our example. He was our example. He taught us how to love. He taught us how to serve. He taught us how to love. You see, listen, this is so important. We can't give God grace. That's what he gives us. The only thing we can give God is faith. This is why we're saved by grace through our faith. You have to mix your faith with his grace to be saved. His grace is not enough for you to be saved. I'm sorry, the gift of grace is free, but faith will cost you. Faith's going to cost you. Faith's going to cost you. Grace is free, but faith will cost you. Grace is free, but faith will cost you. Hallelujah! Yes, God, speak to us today in Jesus' name. James 2 and 17. Since we're going to give God our faith, what, what does it look like? What's it look like in real life? James 2 and 17. Thus also faith by itself. It does not have works. If it does not have works, it's dead. 
But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. So show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there's one God. You do well. Good job. Even the demons believe and tremble and have no works. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Works is the manifestation of faith. If you truly have faith, you will work. John 8 and 32. Watch this. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We love that part. That's a shouting verse right there. Hallelujah. But did you read the verse before it, verse 31? Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Yeah. The Bible was written to people who were willing to work. Not people that sit back and say, I'm saved, I'm good, I don't have to do anything. It's free. It's free. Like my health care. Like my stimulus checks. Doesn't cost anything. It's free. No, it's not free. It will cost you to get there. It will cost you to have faith. You can't be free if you're not continuing in the Word of God and you're not becoming a disciple. Then you won't be free. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What about that scripture? 1 Corinthians 9 and 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? So run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. What do you mean run? I thought I already got the prize. Wasn't the prize delivered to me at my salvation? Isn't it free? Doesn't it come to me via Amazon? Same day delivery. What, why, why do I have to run if I have a free gift? Because the free gift is accessible. It's not there yet. You don't have it yet. But you can get it. It's accessible. You've got to keep running. You've got to keep running. Push yourself. Stay in the race. Keep going forward. You've got to keep working for it. The access is free, church family. You can get to it if you want, but the journey's not free. Faith will cost you. What is the cost of free salvation? The cost is the journey, what you will have to give up to access that thing. And it will have to take hard work. And if you're not willing to invest hard work in your walk with God, it won't work out. It won't work out. Watch this one. When you believe, you start to repent, turn to God, like the Bible says. You get baptized, you give up your past, which means you give up going to places you used to go to. That's called work. You give up relationships you used to have. That's called work. Both repentance and baptism deal with who you are and who you're not going to be anymore. That's work, y'all. That means I changed everything about my life. I change the way I spend money. I change what I do with my time. It's all work. It's because of your faith, but it ends up in works. It's all work. And then we get to the part where you begin to receive the Holy Ghost. And the Bible defines that as people who look like they were a little bit drunk on alcohol, even though they hadn't drank alcohol, and people who spoke in different languages. Pretty silly, right? Why can't you just receive the gift at the altar and stand there and smile? Like many churches do, we invite people to the front of the church and say, stand here, I'm going to pray over you. And when I'm done, if in your heart you believe you're saved, you are. And people gather to the front and they stand there and they, they say, I love you, God. And I'm sure a lot of sincerity is there, right? But they don't know. They haven't been taught. They have not been taught. They've been taught it's free. No wonder there's so many people coming. It doesn't cost anything to get it. If I were to put something out there on the front of the road, what's something important? Gas. If I did five-gallon gas cans at the front of the church and said free, we'd have a massive crowd. 
God, help us. God, help us not build our kingdoms with false doctrines. Help us not build our egos as pastors with false doctrines. Because we preach a message that cost us nothing and we build us big mega churches. Look at the biggest churches. Listen to their messages. You'll find out they have the least cost. It is connected together. People want easy. They don't want to pay. But I want you to know today that there is a cost to being saved. And if you don't get your gloves on and get out there in the field and begin to work, you're not going to make it in this walk with God. You cannot work harder for your own money than you do your own prayer life. You cannot work harder for what you're doing right now in your job and your career than you do your work with God. You cannot do it. Don't fall for the trap. It takes work. You don't come up in here and get tired and lazy and be like, oh, I'm at church now, but I'll work hard on Monday. That's no way to have a good walk with God. That's no way to love this life. If you're really going to get something out of this, you've got to be willing to put something into this. If you're going to enjoy God, you've got to get a work about you, get that laziness off of you and say this is my first priority thank you Jesus people begin to speak in tongues and they got the Holy Ghost that sounds like work I'm gonna get embarrassed yeah I know I have to lift my hands up I'm a grown man that's embarrassing that sounds like a lot of work I gotta be at church every Sunday I used to fish I used to go hunting I used, that's work. Yeah, you're right. It's nothing but work. But it pays the best. Hey, all of y'all would work hard for the right money. I know every one of y'all. If they gave you a big option for money, you'd be like, hey, sign me up. Let's figure out a way to make it work. We're trying to make the money. But what about eternity? What about a walk with God? It pays the best. It should be your number one priority. It should be number one. I'm going to spend the most of my energy on my walk with God because I refuse to believe I have to do nothing and be saved. It's going to cost something. It's going to cost something. I don't believe our church is lazy. I believe you're some of the hardest working people in the world. I do believe this. I believe we're under attack. And the temptation is to work hard for this world. My, if you could ever shift your hard work ethic over to your prayer lives. My, if you could ever shift that early morning, get out of bed and go make some money into early morning. I want to be used by God and get to the church house and pray for somebody and lay hands on the sick and knock on a door and go to outreach days. If you could ever use that work ethic for your walk with God, we could turn this world upside down. I guess it was in Bible college I heard, Brandon, I heard them teach me in Bible college. I think it was there. They said, if you, if you live for God easy, it'll be hard. But if you live for God hard, it'll be easy. And the reason why there's people today in this place, Lord bless you, you're struggling, but you're coming to church is because you're halfway in. You're halfway in. You haven't given your hard work ethic like I know you can. And you're sitting there wondering why there's not enough fruit. It's because you're not planting in this thing. You're not cultivating your walk with God. You know you haven't given 100%. There are people right now, you're questioning things in your heart. You're questioning whether you're going to be in church the rest of your life. You're questioning how long you can keep playing the act and dressing up. But the truth is, i got a word for you. Until you get all in and work this thing with all of your heart, you will never be satisfied living for God. You will never be content. You'll never be happy. You'll never enjoy it. You have got to get something out of this walk or you won't last very long. You've got to work for it. You've got to put your faith out there and you've got to step into it. Get your hands dirty and do what you know to do. Yes, it will cost you, but the fruit is so worth it. The fruit is so worth it. Is it worth it, Brother Brandon? 
I noticed a lot of changes in your life, Brother Brandon. I'm so proud of you. He's a hard-working man. But now he's a hard-working man for Jesus. And look at what God is doing in his life. Take that ethic. Take that passion. And work. Put your heart and soul into it. And God will make you a man of God, a woman of God, a preacher of God. He'll make a missionary out of you, an evangelist out of you. God will bless your life. Hallelujah. Let's all stand our feet together. I'm done. Thank you, Jesus, for the word today. God, you have spoken to us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to take some time here at the close of service and pray. Thank you, God, for your word today. Come here, Brandon. Come up here for a second. I've known Brandon here for a few years, and I guess the Lord just laid him on my heart this morning, but he, uh, he has the capacity to work as much as he wants because of the work he does. He could take more jobs. He could be busy. He could make more money. He could advertise more, promote more, he could try to upsell, and he could miss every service all the time, and he could make a lot of money. But it wasn't working for Brandon. He was working really hard for himself, but something was missing. And for the past few months, we've been visiting and talking and praying together, and God has done something special in his, in his ministry, in his anointing, because he had to give up a little bit over here. Because there's only so many hours in the day. And he had to sacrifice a little piece of this earth to start to have more walk with God. But he's happier now. Even though he's given up a little bit more of this world, he's the same hard-working man. He shifted his desires, his passions, and his heart over to things that are eternal. And it's doing something for him on the inside that he couldn't work for physically on the outside. And God wants to shift every one of you hard-working, wonderful people to a new calendar system, to a new timeline, where you stop trying to fight all the time the rat race of being busy, and you make time to work for the kingdom of God. He texts me the other day, says, Pastor, need something, let me know, I'll come, I'll do it. I know how busy he is. I try to save those for important times. He comes up here and tries to work, and when he works, he works. He don't play on his phone. If it's time to move a piece of furniture, he's going to move it like, like Jesus is coming back next five minutes. He's a hard-working man. Thank you, Brother Shields and Sister Shields, for putting that into your son. To all your kids, to Becca. Thank you. Listen. It's the reason why God has anointed him. It's the reason why God has anointed Brother Matthew, Brother Caleb, Brother Cooney. It's the reason why God has blessed Brother Andrew, Brother Hugh, Brother Diego, Brother Jose, Brother Omar. There's men all over this church, Brother Smith. I'm, I can't name all of you. I'm just trying to make a point. God has anointed and blessed so many men in our church because these were first hardworking men. But when they get their heart on the kingdom, there's nothing they can't do. There's no place they can't climb. There's no walk with God they can't have. Everything we need is free. Everything we need is free. You hear me? The prayer life you want is free. It's just going to cost you to get up in the morning. The anointing of God you want to break the chains of generational curses is free. It's just going to cost you that commitment to get your hands to the plow. You can be a man of God of your home. You just got to work as hard on your marriage and for your children and for your walk with God as you do anything else in life. Hear me, man. Listen to me. Your wives, if they're full of the Spirit of God and they're Christian women, if they have a heart for anything for God, they could care less how much you work to make money. 
if you neglect them and your walk with God, they could care less. They don't want money and you being mean all the time. They don't want money and you being rude. They'd rather you make less money and let there be peace in the house. Power and anointing and gifts of the Spirit. Grace of God. Let's work. Let's don't be lazy. Let's don't sit back. Let's work for this. Because he worked for us. He stepped down off of his throne and said, let's get to work. And today we're recipients of his grace. Because God loved us enough to put elbow grease into our lives. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord together. Thank you, Jesus. If we're going to go to heaven, it's going to take sweat. It's going to take a fight. If we're going to make it, it's going to take every service going to the front, praying until my face is red. If we're going to make it, it's going to take every morning. If we're going to make it, it's going to take every drop of our energy. But it pays the best. The wages of sin are death, but the wages of righteousness is life. It's going to be worth it, church family. Keep on pushing. Keep on working. Just invest in eternal things. And you will be saved in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I'm going to open up this front today for a time of real worship and openness to God. Somebody let your faith pull you down to the front of church. Don't just say, I have faith, but let your faith manifest into lifting up of hands, into speaking in other tongues, into openness. Let your faith produce works. If you're not working, you don't have real faith. We've got to work. We've got to work not for our salvation but to just go forward because of our salvation the gift is free the gift is free the journey is not lift up some hands church family because the journey will cost you lift your voice church family because the journey will cost us Get out of your comfortable pew today, church family and guests, because he got off his throne. Get out of your chair and get up here and begin to give worship to God. Begin to praise him. Begin to love him. Come on, it's free for you if you want it. The Holy Ghost is free today if you'll give it up. You can receive the power of God in this service. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's nothing free. Nothing truly free. Nothing truly free. Let's lift up some hands and pray. Let's don't be quiet. Let's don't be silent. Let's don't just sit here. Let's understand if we plant, we shall reap. If we plant, we shall reap. If we invest, there will be a reward today. Every day is my work day with God. Every day is a day to seek His face. Every day is a day to seek His face. I'm halfway in and I'm distracted. It's because you got to work this thing. Work it. Invest time into it. Invest resources into it. And watch God work in your life. Watch God bless you and use you. Thank you, Brandon. Oh, God. Let's love them together right now. You're ready to worship the Lord, praise team. Let's do it. Hallelujah. Let's do it in Jesus' name. Let's activate our faith. Let's engage our hearts. Let's give ourselves to God. Let's don't be lazy. Let's don't sit back. Let's push a little further. Go a little further. Let's work for it. Let's push. Let's invest prayers. Let's invest time.
invest my heart. I'm going to invest my heart, God. I'm going to give you time. I'm going to give you time. Energy is yours, God. I don't want to be comfortable. I want to love you like you love me. <laughs> Thank you for grace. Thank you for grace. Thank you for grace. Thank you for grace, God. I want to have faith, God, for you. I want to have faith for you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to work this thing. <laughs>